Hello, it's me. Did you think I was dead? I know it's been a while. I honestly didn't mean to take that long a break, but I honestly don't like coming on here unless I can genuinely recommend something that I'm passionate about and that just wasn't happening. I don't know if it was just me and I honestly don't think it is just me. I mean, there has been some really good films out, things that are really important and would in any other circumstances take your breath away. But I don't think watching something like any of the Oscar contenders this year on a small device like a laptop or small screen TV was the place for them. And it just didn't seem honest to come back and recommend something with half a heart so uh that's why it took me so long I mean I thought I'd do something um around the time of the Oscars because I I mean Oscar season for me is like festival season for other people I just adore Oscars uh, the Oscar ceremony and the whole run-up to it and everything else but I think I lasted 10 minutes and during, uh, judging by the viewing figures, I wasn't the only one, but I literally lost 10 minutes before I turned over to watch a programme on COVID. I mean, if that doesn't tell you just how bad the Oscars were, nothing will. But anyway, I saw that Oprah um, was launching The Me You Don't See on Apple TV. And I actually haven't watched anything on Apple TV in a long time. So um, I thought I'd better make the most of um, my uh, subscription. So I decided to tune into that and also kind of fell in with um, the last podcast that I did, which was on the Meghan and Harry and Oprah interview. And since then, really, Harry hasn't been away. Actually, I saw a really funny tweet um, from the Queen's parody account because obviously the Queen doesn't really tweet um during Eurovision anyway and this was during Eurovision and it was uh, it said it's really quite nice to tune into Eurovision and not see something that Harry is on and it's quite true because he's on everything at the moment he was on the Dax Shepherd podcast um, which is the most unusual podcast. I love Dak Shepard. There's no secret here. I'm always tuned into Dak Shepard. It was a very unusual one for Harry to be on. Um, and he is on this documentary. He actually produced it with Oprah. Um, the Me You Don't See. And it is about the very important subject of mental health. And it's a conversation that definitely I mean, it's a conversation that has been active definitely more in the past five years, I would say, with people talking publicly about their anxiety, depression, trauma, various issues. But it's still something that in day-to-day working life, I would say that people still see that there is a stigma attached to it. So it is an important program in that sense. And they deal with some phenomenal um, tragic stories. Uh, People who've been through the refugee crisis and watched their children die as they were going from boat to boat. People who've lived through the Holocaust. People who've seen their mothers be murdered in front of them. I mean, just horrific stories. And it opens with Harry 
and Oprah talking about the fact that the fact that COVID and lockdown had on people's mental health and that it was supposed to be the big equaliser, but it wasn't because obviously people are living in different circumstances, but we are all equal when it comes to mental health. And that falls on its face immediately because I'll tell you one way that you don't see that people are equal. This is Oprah show and this is sold as Oprah show. And the big other push on this is that Prince Harry is in it. Prince Harry is in every single episode and the only person who meets Oprah and is interviewed by Oprah is Harry. So, you know, when we're talking about equalizers, yeah, not very equal there. And he talks about his trauma of losing his mother when he was 12 and that's very relatable for many people because hundreds of thousands of people around the world have suffered that. Where it's not relatable is where he talks about the trauma of paparazzi. Um, the problem with this is that the entire coverage is on him and that is where we have the problem. He talks about giving back and his way of giving back is to be open and to talk about his issues but when your issues overshadow other people's issues I think it's time for you to take a step back and listen and I think the whole program should have been re-edited in a very different way. They're phenomenal stories of um, people who have suffered from schizophrenia. Uh, Glenn Close is in it with her sister who suffers from um, type 1 bipolar which is the most severe type of bipolar and her son suffers from schizophrenia and they've set up an, an incredible society who help parents deal parents of ch people children with severe um, mental health issues they help them to deal with it and give them respite care and give them the techniques to cope with that and the coping strategies. Lady Gaga appears on it. She talks about she suffered from mental health issues from a very young age but she also went through the trauma of rape and she talks about that quite openly and she talks about the therapy that she's been through and that that's another issue in this. While they talk about the therapy they actually, Harry, sits and um, has what is it the the eye therapy the eye movement therapy that he is currently going through it's different from different from cognitive behavioral therapy and is different from other traditional formats of therapy in that you come to the therapist knowing exactly what you want to talk about rather than going down avenues and discovering what you want to talk about and they do that and it's great he's it shows him doing it and it shows him tapping into those moments where he was traumatized by the paparazzi and he goes back to that moment in the car with his mother and he's you can see him living that the issue is he has access to that apparently in the nhs in the uk it takes at least two years of being on a waiting list and even to get on that waiting list you need to go through about three different consultants so when we're talking about equalizers and that we're all the same when it comes to mental health we're actually not because nobody's going to have those ice baths for shock therapy that Lady Gaga has and it's going to take a very long time to get the type of therapy that Harry is benefiting from um, during these sessions with Oprah. So that's my whinge. I could go in, I, I could go in a lot more detail to the issues I had with that programme but um, 
I won't. But there are other things that did make me happy. And I think, well, I haven't been watching things. And I have been watching things, but just not enough to keep me off my phone. Um, podcasts have keep, kept me going. And I've been looking for things that are light and funny and complete escapism. So if you live anywhere close to me and you see a lunatic of a woman walking down the road laughing her head off, it's me listening to My Therapist Ghosted Me by Vogue Williams and Joanne McNally. It is hilarious. Vogue and Joanne um, are um, friends for years. Um, they're both from Dublin. Vogue's from Hope. Joanne's um, Jolky. That would mean nothing to anybody <laughs> listening from outside of Ireland. Um, they're not that different. They're different sides of Dublin, but they're very nice Um comfortable areas but they're very very funny and they're very very Irish they're both living in the UK but I'm not really sure they're actually pushing this as a, as a UK audience um but they are very open I mean there is no sense of shame in talking about any part bodily functions body parts anything you get it all but they, they are they they complement each other in as much as they are alike and come from similar backgrounds, they actually complement each other in how different their lives are at the moment. Vogue is married with two kids. She's married. She married an aristocrat, a landed gentry, as Joanne gets her dig in every so often. And um, Joanne is moved over to London and she is flat sharing and um, she's currently growing um, mushrooms. Um, uninvited mushrooms are currently uh, growing in our bathroom and we've all been there but it is a laugh a minute and just be careful um, with your headphones I'd, I'd say leave your headphones in rather than leaving it on loudspeaker because it depends on the company that you're in um, when listening to this but they are very very funny and as always the link is in the show notes the other podcast that I've gone back to is Happy Place with Fern Cotton. Now, I think I have talked about this before, um, probably just from just how powerful and successful a podcast like this can be. And Fern Cotton, because she is very much in the public eye, sometimes I forget that she's not actually on the telly anymore. This is her full-time job. And Happy Place is an entire industry. It is the podcast but it is also a festival um the festival started in 2019 um she did it in dublin manchester london um i think in wales as well um it's kind of a wellness type festival where there's yoga there's public speakers there's poetry readings all vegan produce um it's kind of I was going to say it's goop. You compare everything that's wellness and everything to goop. It's not. It's 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 much more down to earth than that. And it's just talking about being content rather than happy. Which, God, wouldn't we all settle for that? And think that's a major difference between that and Gwyneth's um, bone broth and vegan lifestyle this is um this is very this is much more adaptable and easier and her style of interviewing is very very easy and 
There's no victim mentality. And I think that's what drew me back in. The first podcast I listened to was with Stacey Solomon. And I just adore that girl. I first came by Stacey Solomon on X Factor, which I think most people met her on. And she was just this kind of ditzy young girl. But she is a powerhouse and in the nicest possible way. And we are living in a world, I think, where victim mentality seems to get you a lot of places and having your story and the power of your story and constantly looking back and living in that place of trauma. Whereas Stacey Solomon just seems to deal with it, get on with it, be happy to tell her story, but accepts it and accepts responsibility and never ever plays the victim. She became a mother at 17 and continued on at college, uh, got herself through college, put her child in the crash. She talked about the loneliness of motherhood, being 17 and turning up a crash and not having the confidence to speak to the other mothers who were mainly in their 30s and she doesn't blame them for not engaging with her. She said, you know, what would they have in common with her and what would she have in common with them? But there was a really lonely aspect to it and she was living on butter vouchers and milk vouchers and surviving like that. But the ambition that it gave her and the sense of drive that it gave her, which you don't expect when you first meet her, but she's she's a phenomenal emotional intelligence, Stacey Solomon, when you see her and she's a very fair way of looking at the world and dealing with any situation. She's incredible and it's it's yeah, it's a powerful um interview to listen to and I ju- I just follow Stacey Solomon on uh, Instagram nonstop and I'm just addicted to her house. She's created this world for herself and she's what is she, thirty one? She's got three kids now, fabulous house, swimming pool everything she's just incredible and the other um follow-up interview that I listened on that was with Billy Piper and she talked about the effects of fame and how going off the rails when you were judged by the media to be going off the rails because she decided to take a complete break actually retired from the music industry when she was 20 I think and she married Chris Evans and it was judged that she had lost the plot. But actually she was more in control of her life at that moment than she'd ever been prior to that. Because she was she was on that train that we talked about before, like with Britney, where you were just driven and you were waking up and you're being carted from one place to another and you're not in control of your life at all. So suddenly when she's photographed drinking a pint in a pub and actually putting on a bit of weight the press are writing her writing her off as if she's got off the rail she's not she's leading a normal life and she's um she's she's taken her own life in um in her own hands and it's amazing how, how women in particularly are judged by that and we're going to come on to another woman later on who very much is judged like that but um that is happy place Vern cotton is actually also as part of the happy place, the empire now, let's call it what it is. Um, she is also publishing books um, on health, wellness, mental health, 
um, all of those things, and children's books as well. She's, I don't know how many books, I think she's written about 10 books herself. Incredible. The other podcast, it's all podcasts. Honestly, there there hasn't been much that's caught my eye on TV. Not that nothing that I want to push out <laughs> here. Um, the other podcast that I went back to, this is about going going back a good bit actually, is Under the Skin with Russell Brand. And I went back to listen to Adrian, as in yoga with Adrian, who everybody seems to have um befriended during lockdown and it was really interesting and you know what it was really interesting for me because I had listened to Under the Skin for a while and then I'd forgotten about it because it's very it's a very long format I mean unless you've got two hours to spare don't tune into Under the Skin because these are long long interviews but I used to listen to Russell Brand when he was on BBC Radio 6 and this was before podcasts were invented but I used to go to an internet cafe and tune in because you could play the radio shows back. That's what podcasts were called back then, playback, and um, listen to a show. And back then, he had absolutely no interest in listening to anyone. Uh, he only had interest in talking about himself. So congratulations, Russell, if you're listening to this. I'm sure he is. Um, because he has really, really exercised that muscle and is actually... Um, he has now has the ability to to listen and he really listens to Adrian and she is she's phenomenal. She's started her yoga channel on YouTube in 2012 and for anybody starting off in any kind of streaming world where whether it be YouTube channel or podcasting or anything this is something to remind yourselves of. Her first YouTube yoga videos I think the first 20 had all of about nine or 10 views. Now, Adrian has 10 million subscribers and 500 million views. She is just incredible. And it's an interesting story. She started off, she's the daughter of two actors and she went into the acting business herself. And as anybody who has been in, any kind of creative world you have to have at least three jobs to keep you going and she was a yoga teacher a nanny and these were the things that were paying her rent while she was also going on stage which she was doing basically for nothing and she did I think a low budget movie with somebody and he wanted to, he was he had already set up his wife's cookery channel on YouTube and asked Adrian if she would like to set up a yoga channel and they did and they just started um filming and it has been a phenomenal success and it's in I've gone back and I've looked at her old videos and she still has that same warmth and accessibility and I think that's what draws her in it the yoga that she practices isn't about making you the skinniest supermodel you can possibly be it is something that you can practice at home where you don't have to be self-conscious you can do it in your pajamas you can do it whatever way you want you don't have to be self-conscious if you're not as flexible as the person standing in front of you as I remember in Bikram yoga where you'd be mortified if you couldn't do the poses this is all very relaxed and spiritual without being religious and it's 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 
the soft S in spirituality. It's more about breath and it's more about feeling where you are and taking account of where you are in life. And there is absolutely nothing threatening about the way she teaches yoga. And that's what has drawn her in to so many people. She went prior COVID, she had 5 million subscribers. And right now, she is just under 10 million. I mean, like, as I mean, under 10 million, I mean, another 200 and she will have hit 10 million. She has to be one of the biggest platforms on YouTube at the moment. And her dog, Benji, has been profiled, I think, in the New York Times. Everybody is obsessed with every aspect of Adrian's life. And what I liked about her while talking to Russell Brand, and this sounds like a backhanded compliment, but it's not. You hear so many of these gurus who, you know, have started in life and they have this vision of where they're going and where they want to be. And I feel like I'm in the right place and in the right moment. It's it's actually such a relief to hear somebody going, you know what, I, I wasn't expecting this. I wasn't expecting 10 million subscribers and I have no idea where this path has taken me and I'm going to take a breather and take it all in and it's a joy to listen to somebody who isn't afraid of saying you know what I'm not all that sure of myself I'm not sure where I'm going and I may not have a plan and that's okay I think that's why everybody loves Adrian am I sounding like she's a religion I am and it's it's interesting because I watched that Bikram yoga documentary a few years ago um on Netflix and it's still on Netflix it's an old documentary um, people get so into particular aspects of yoga that it's it, it can draw you in too much and they become any guru can be a real danger and I think you have to take a step back if you're just following one person too much there's no danger of that with me when I said I did Bikram I meant I did it for three weeks and when I said I'm doing Adrian you know it, it take that with a, a pinch of salt as well I'm not getting too involved with any of these things but she it's not a religion this is a practice and I think that's why people feel safe with her and there is absolutely nothing threatening about her she is Russell Brown's actually described her as the the yoga coach next door and that that's what's good about her there is nothing threatening about her everything about her is accessible from her surroundings although she's wow her house looks now in fairness her surroundings her her current home looks very very nice indeed and her dog is lovely but he's attainable he's uh what do you call him the blue the blue blue haven they're australian cattle dogs i can't remember the the name of them anyway tune in adrian and russell brand under the skin russell brand now he's somebody who always says brand plan I've noticed that he's reading out letters from people who've written into him and they're going, oh, Russell, when are you going to be on Spotify? Because that's the thing. If you haven't listened to Russell Brand, he is only on Luminary, which you have to, there is a seven day free trial, but you actually have to pay a subscription. I think it's 34 euros a year. And I think, yeah, he's good at kind of dropping that into the ocean. Oh, when are you going to be on Spotify? Because Spotify, what is happening with streaming services, particularly for podcasts at the moment, I think it's going to be very interesting in the next year. Because if you look and see, Spotify have currently bought Hillary Clinton, Michelle Obama, Barack Obama, Bill Clinton, 
and most recently Dax Shepard. Oh, and Harry and Meghan. So streaming service, Spotify basically is the Netflix of um, podcast services at the moment. And yeah, and, and it's free. So I think, yeah, Russell always has a plan. I think he's dropping that in there for some reason or another. So interesting to see where that goes. Motherland, I have, I tell a lie, I have watched something. I got back into Motherland. Um, that is, you get season one and two on Netflix. And season three is currently on BBC. And BBC is very annoying because if you live outside the UK, you can't watch it on catch up unless you've managed to record it. So I've only actually watched the second episode of the third season because I forgot to record the first and I've no way of watching that back. So um, it looks really good. Now, Motherland, for those of you who don't know, is written by Sharon Horgan and Graham Linehan. Sharon Horgan of Catastrophe, Graham Linehan of um, The IT Crowd and Father Ted. Now, for me, this is it's not quite catastrophe standards. I just adored catastrophe. I think I've watched catastrophe three times. It's I, I, I just think it is genius. But this is incredibly funny. For anybody who even has friends who have stood at school gates and you hear about the politics and everything else that goes on, it's it, it's very true to life. And this year they bring in the mothers and Joanna Lumley is joining the cast. And if for no other reason, she is always worth watching. Um, I'm going to finish on, I won't tell you too much about it because I don't want to give too much away because it's worth reading. Um, an article that caught my eye last week was Sinead O'Connor in the New York Times. And Sinead O'Connor has uh, her autobiography out and I read extracts from it and no surprise if anybody has ever read Sinead O'Connor's lyrics. She is a beautiful, poetic writer um, and she's lived an extraordinary life. But the New York Times article really deals with kind of the cancelling of Sinead's career, particularly in America after she tore up the uh, picture of the Pope on Saturday Night Live and the abuse she got. She was booed off the stage at a Bob Dylan concert. Um, Chris Christopherson came to her res rescue. Watch that on YouTube. This harrowing, harrowing moment and she dealt with it incredibly well but I can't imagine the trauma that that brought to her life. And the abuse she got from the the Washington Times described her as the face of pure hatred and Frank Sinatra called her one stupid broad for not wanting to play the American National Anthem at her own concert. Um, and it's just interesting because we've talked about Billy Piper, the way she was judged, the way Britney Spears, which we've talked about in other um, podcasts. And remember at that time when Britney was reportedly going off the rails, the only person who sp spoke up from her publicly was Sinead O'Connor. And I think it's it's been a funny year because we're taking account of how we judged particularly women in society in the noughties. And from Janet Jackson to Britney Spears and now Sinead O'Connor. I mean, they got a bulldozer to drive over Sinead's CDs, the um, 
the CD to my teens. I I do not want what I haven't got. That beautiful, beautiful CD with Sinead, that remarkable face on the cover and they had a bulldozer drive over them on um, Times Square in America. It was horrendous, horrendous. But it is a reminder of the phenomenal talent that is Sinead O'Connor, the ferocious, her ferocious intelligence and her startling beauty. I mean, she was an Audrey Hepburn. She really is and was and she is powerful and she deserves to be protected and she deserves to be worshipped. And you need to listen to her because a lot of the time when people say she's daft and she's crazy, she's actually making the most amount of sense. So the link to that is in the show notes. Oh, I will also post the link from um, the Irish Times where there are extracts from her biography, her autobiography, which I will be buying. It's called Rememberings, um, uh, which is due out, I think, at the end of the month. So anyway, that's it. I, I just thought I'd drop in to let you know that I'm not dead. I'm still here. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. And um, yeah, I'll talk to you soon. I don't think it'll be as long. I think I think things are beginning to move. And um, I think we will be viewing art and television in a different way. So good to talk to you. Drop me a line. Take care. Bye.